Welcome back to the Investing on the Go podcast brought to you by Fund Caliber. Today's guest gives comprehensive overview of the opportunities available in fixed income markets and how that translates to positioning a strategic bond fund for 2024. I'm Chris Sarley, and today we're joined by Alex Palteski, manager of the elite rated Agon Strategic Bond Fund. Alex, thank you very much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. No problem at all. Uh, I'm going to throw you in at the deep end here and ask the uh, the golden question straight away. So um, the UK is an example. We've got uh, fears about like, lots of people losing a, a, a lot of their disposable income next year as rates you know remain at these levels and mortgages are sort of renewing at a lot higher rates. Um, let's ask that golden question. Do you believe rates and yields have peaked? Do you think they're going to fall? And, and does it vary by region and you know, cycle. Just give us a, a couple of minutes insight on that, please. Sure, absolutely. Um, just to go straight to the answer, yes, yes, we do think rates have peaked. Uh, we certainly do not see uh, any more rate hikes uh, on the horizon across the major market that we looked at, including the United Kingdom. This is our base case. And uh, this is primarily driven by the fact that monetary policy is already quite tight. So in other words, interest rates across Europe, the UK and the US are tight and they're restricting economic outputs and they're having an impact. Uh, like you said, they, the speed with which that travels through the system varies uh, to different degrees across those three different markets, uh, primarily because of the differences in the so-called monetary transmission mechanism. Uh, but in simple terms, you are already seeing the impacts in Europe and in the UK uh, in the form of uh, falling house prices already, um, economic activity slowly grinding to a halt, and uh, gradual uptick in unemployment across both Europe and in the UK. And in the US, you are seeing tentative signs or early signs of this already beginning to happen as well. Um, so from that point of view, if you already have base rates above 5%, uh, so interest rates above 5% in Europe and in, uh, sorry, in the US and in the UK and above 4% in Europe, um, the main goal of that journey was to obviously combat inflation. Uh, and if you look at uh, those three markets, now for the first time in uh, 18 plus months, headline inflation levels, both uh, or across the US, the UK and Europe, are already below the base rate of the central banks. So in other words, monetary policy is already above inflation. So we certainly don't expect to see more hikes, um, so to say, and then we can probably start hoping or thinking about rate cuts down the line at some point. Is it hard to make any call on rate cuts at this stage? Because, you know, the, the general view is that, that they're quite stubborn and want to hold them for longer. I mean, do you have any view? Do you think the, the bite will just be too much, particularly in the UK and Europe, where we don't have those 30-year mortgages like the US perhaps has? So I, we think uh, in particular the Bank Bank of England will want to see a sustained progress towards their inflation goal in order for them to start talking about cuts. They will be very cautious about any premature easing of monetary policy but it's very clear that monetary policy is restrictive as it is. So to us, the question is, it's a matter of when we will start seeing cuts rather than if. And we, we don't have a perfect answer, to be honest. Um, so we're not uh, here to 
time the market, but we're certain that we will see lower base rate at some point 18 months from now. And, and I say 18 months because it's sufficiently long period of time. Uh, and in reality, it could happen much faster. Okay. Um, we're hearing a lot from managers at the moment about increasing government bond exposure. Is that something you are making use of in this strategic bond fund? And, and if so, does it still represent value at these levels? Absolutely. Um, we, uh, as you know, manage a strategic bond fund, which is very flexible, can invest across the entire bond universe. Uh, this is from government bonds to investment grade, higher than emerging markets. And uh, we currently find the government bonds offering very attractive value uh, in certain points of, uh, of the yield curve. Uh, that is to say, we're quite happy to increase government bond exposure um, in the short uh, maturities, uh, anywhere between three and seven years government bond maturing within that period. We are not certain that adding government bonds uh, over maturing in longer than 15 or 20 or 30 years from now is still a good value. Uh, so while we do like government bonds in general, we still expect the so-called interest rate curve to steepen. Therefore, we find quite a bit of value in the front end, but not so much in the long end. Okay. Um, beyond government bonds, are there any other parts of the bond market that you're particularly keen on at the moment? Yes, absolutely. Uh, look, if you look in general, we think the bond market looks as attractive as it has uh, in many years relative to most other asset classes. Um, in the very uh, simplest terms, fixed income as an asset class uh, is something or was something traditionally there to provide income-seeking investors with exactly that, with recurring source of income with very low capital at risk so that you don't have to risk your, your savings too much and with uh, quite a bit of um, liquidity so you could withdraw cash essentially tomorrow if you wanted to, if those were your circumstances. And in the past 15 years, uh, this has all disappeared from the fixed income market because of the global central banks and um, bond deals at zero or below zero. And now in the past 18 months, that value has returned to, to fixed income in general. And if you think of in the simplest terms, fixed income now yields more than um, equities. If you only look at the investment grade bond market, it yields more than the yield on, on the global equities if you look at S&P 500. So as an investor, you no longer need to chase that additional income or that the same amount of income in riskier assets like equities, you can move the money back to bonds. And that's a very powerful proposition. It's one that you haven't seen in over 15 years. Um, so if you look at all in yields, um, in purely only investment grade, if you don't have to go on anything riskier, you're starting from over 5.5% yield on the index in the US, right? And if you look in the high yield markets, then that yield becomes 9%. So those are owing very attractive levels that uh, we think um, are probably once in a generational opportunity that uh, investors should make use of. And let's just be clear on that because one of the follow-ups, we'll have a few follow-ups from what you've just said there, but the, the main one is, you know, in the past few years when there have been opportunities in fixed income, they have been quite fast and quite sharp, particularly, you know, the likes of COVID. Obviously, this environment is slightly different. 
is the opportunity as attractive now as it was, say, six months ago? Absolutely. The opportunity is as attractive as it was six months ago. We don't necessarily bank on it that it, it's a very short window of time that it will disappear tomorrow. Certainly not in the same speed of, the, of time that uh, it happened during COVID. But we absolutely uh, um, are of the opinion that uh, right here, right now, bonds uh, are very attractive. And I go back to the um, illustration I provided you. If your alternative is chasing lower amount of income or yield and going into riskier assets that are equities, and you still don't have to do that, you're picking up plenty of yield by investment grade bonds mm-hmm. versus your equity allocation. So, uh, absolutely. Okay. Well, let's let's talk about that as well then, because you, you mentioned there obviously government bonds have an attractive yield. At the moment, you're an active portfolio, you're a strategic bond manager. Let, let's talk about a couple of the other areas perhaps where you're adding value. So um, maybe first talk about corporate bonds and g- give us some insights into to what you're looking at in there. And then we'll talk about high yield after that. Absolutely. So corporate bonds, uh, looking at the investment grade market, we think that the European corporate bond market offers excess opportunities. There is, in other words, a lot of fear priced into credit spreads. We we definitely think that the economy is slowing down. It's already slowed down in certain parts of Europe, but we see a lot of default priced in in the investment grade bond market. And as an active bond investor, this is what you are paid to do. You are paid to evaluate whether you're overcompensated for taking those risks. And we think that's the case in Europe. We find the market quite attractive in particular when we compare that to the U.S. investment rate, the U.S. corporate bond market. Um, so, Owen, we have a, we have a preference, the risk just as um, a reward or um, uh, I guess the opportunity cost is better into corporate bonds versus high yield, but we certainly are not shying away completely from the high yield market as well. Uh, just because the starting yield there is, is so, so attractive. So if you have a, a high yield index touching 9%, it really needs to sell off a lot in the following year for you to be loss-making. The difference is that there will be a lot of dispersion this time around, in particular in the riskier part of the universe. Um, therefore, we're shying away from, from riskier um, borrowers, uh, anything below B minus, uh, and in particular, triple Cs, we are not keen on. We are focusing on high quality, high yield borrowers, uh, double Bs area. We think it's a sweet spot where you can still generate, uh, we, can, we can find bonds offering you 10% yield, which we think is very powerful. I think it's being overlooked a bit, isn't it, with the high yield market? Because there's quite a lot of um, this, you know, uh, dispersion in terms of views on the high yield market. So some people see it as quite a risky market with, you know, um, companies now being forced to renegotiate their loans, et cetera, at a lot higher levels. But by the same token, the high yield market is very different to what it was 10 years ago in terms of construction. You know, there's a lot more higher quality companies in there. Is it all about being active in that space now because you know high yield 10 years after the credit crunch was very much you know you, you could make money quite easily there it was one of the big winners is it now just being a lot more selective in high yield i think you you said it exactly right the the point now is that first the high yield index 
is in much, much, much better quality versus what it was 10 years ago. So the proportion of, say, the lowest rated uh, credit, so triple Cs or below, is much lower, and the proportion of uh, double Bs, which is the highest end of higher market, is much higher. So the quality is better to begin with, which naturally limits how much the index in general can can sell off or, or can move wider. Um, on on the other, your, your other point about being selective is exactly right as well. If you are a corporate that is, say, single B or triple C rated, you need to refinance in this market with yields north of 15%. Now, if we start talking about your capital structure and you have to pay 15, 20%, this becomes an extremely difficult business owing to run. And so we're very, very skeptical or very cautious lending money in that part of the market. But at the same time, there is a lot of quality in that market in the double B area of big capital structures with long history uh, being in the markets, uh, producing real strong cash flows. And those um, parts of the market can still offer you opportunities where bonds yield 9, 10%. And we think this is an excellent opportunity. So you really have to differentiate between the different spectrums of the higher market. But our view is that whoever is waiting for um, a global financial crisis type of event and spreads blowouts to that level to get back into the market, they will miss out on, on the boat. Okay. Um, next one. This is one that's perhaps quite an interesting one to explain why more so than which why. Which, uh, why. Um, Short-dated or longer-dated bonds, should investors have a preference at this stage in the market? That's a very nuanced question. Uh, and a very nuanced answer to that question, I would say. Um, in certain parts of the government bond market, you, as I mentioned, are not paid to be taking on additional uh, duration risks or investing or lending down the curve. Yeah. In, in other words, the curves are too flat and you're not paid. We don't think you're compensated for the current premium down the line. So we definitely favor uh, the front end. Yeah. In corporate bond markets, we think it's, it's a bit more nuanced or a bit more mixed. Um, there are still places where the entire credit curve is quite wide. And granted, even though it may look flat, if you are confident that you are lending to a quality borrower, over time you expect that entire credit curve to shift downwards. And even if it's a parallel shift of say 100 basis points between the front and the long end, the effect of duration uh, makes it more attractive for you to invest in the long end. So I would say in short, in government bonds, most likely the front end is better. In corporate bonds, it could be quite mixed. Okay, last couple of questions, geared more towards the future. Um, is well in a nutshell are we facing a recession in 2024 but on top of that is that well obviously it's a bad thing for the economy but for your portfolio does that open up a number of other opportunities once again right um let's let's tackle that one right now um we are witnessing negative growth in certain parts of europe in particular the ones focused in the manufacturing sector so the core but um, the periphery, which is more service-oriented, is doing okay. So there is a reasonable chance that there may be a recession in Europe, but also there is a reasonable chance that Europe may avoid that. 
And you could probably construct similar arguments for the UK as well. If you were to say the likelihood of UK entering into some sort of recession in the next 12 months versus not is probably higher by a little bit. But in Owen, we don't see a period or a very deep recession, a very structural and profound recession, either in Europe nor in the UK, let alone in the US. So Mm -hmm. to us, it becomes more of a question of where do we expect economic growth to peter out? And if it is around minus um, 0.5%, so small recession to plus 0.5% on aggregate, that's an environment that you alluded to is very favorable for, for fixed income in general. Um, so even though the definition of being in a recession or not in the different uh, um, scenarios uh, would differ, the overall opportunity will be for us pretty much the same because a situation where inflation is falling, but growth is relatively anemic or just below trend is something where bonds would particularly like. Okay. Well, given you've said that, Ben, I mean, 0.5 to minus 0.5, possible recession, if there is one, it's very mild versus sort of, you know, small bit of growth. How are you positioned in that scenario going into the new year? So give us an idea of how you're positioned for that type of environment. Absolutely. So positioning is all relative to also what's priced within the markets. So starting from corporate bonds, as I mentioned, we are overpricing the recession. Within markets are overpricing the recession uh, probability within Europe. So we favor European corporate and higher bonds over those in the US. Relatively, we have more risk in investment grade versus high yield. Uh, but within high yield, we certainly don't shy away. So to give you a, um, a point of reference, uh, our funds can invest between 0 and 40% of the assets in the high yield market. And at this point, we are about 27, 28%. So we are a little bit more than half. This amount in the high yield. Yes. yes, it's a reasonable amount. Yes. And, and all of that is, is concentrated, uh, most of it is concentrated, as I mentioned, in the double B's part of the market. Um, but we have more than half of, say, our um, opportunity set within IELTS, um, so we are definitely not negative. Um, on the government bond side, um, given our starting premises that we don't expect any more rate hikes, mm-hmm. and we are probably opening up the opportunity to some rate cuts because of the trend of inflation across Europe, the UK, and the US, um, we wouldn't be surprised to see some, if not all of those three central banks, somewhat reducing um, the level of base rates. Therefore, that would be a tailwind for government bond markets as well, in particular, the front end of the curve. So if I was to summarize our positioning, it would be long, long duration versus our historical um, uh, ranges um, in uh, risk-free markets. Um, and the risky assets, we favor investment grade over high yield, but we certainly are not uh, shying away from taking risks in high yield as well. Um, Alex, thank you very much for joining us today. My pleasure. The Aegon Strategic Bond Fund has a very broad and flexible remit. It invests globally and is a true strategic bond fund that can change its positioning very quickly when necessary. To learn more about the Aegon Strategic Bond Fund, please visit fundcaliber.com. And don't forget to subscribe to the Investing on the Go podcast available wherever you get your podcasts.
Please remember, we've been discussing individual companies to bring investing to life for you. It's not a recommendation to buy or sell. The fund may or may not still hold these companies at the time of listening. Elite ratings are based on Fund Caliber's research methodology and are the opinion of Fund Caliber's research team only. 